Let's open our Bibles this morning. The Book of Lamentations. You'll find Lamentations right after Jeremiah in the Old Testament. If you were here last week, you remember that last week was really an introduction into what we're going to be studying during the season of Lent. We looked at what Lent was and and how it came into to being and how it was shaped over the, the course of the time when it was uh, when a, a, a fast before becoming a baptized member of the church in the first century was really thought of, and then in the second century it became a little bit more formalized. In the fourth century at Nicaea, it was really set in stone that there would be 40 days of fasting and prayer prior to uh, becoming a baptized member within the church and over the course of history, how that has come to the point where we get Lent beginning at Ash Wednesday um, and then moving on for 40 days, not counting Sundays, to the time of Easter. And Lent is all about a time of examination of self, of repentance, of mourning for our sins so that we are ready for the resurrection. Now, we get the opportunity to look back at history and say, okay, we know that the resurrection is coming. We know the tomb is empty. So how do we live in accordance with that? Well, we live as people who live in resurrection power, but there needs to also to be a time to examine our lives, to really look at ourselves. And that's why we are going to spend the next five weeks in the five books of the five chapters of Lamentations. Lamentations are lamenting, lamenting for sin, mourning sin. But also throughout the book of Lamentations, and, and we're going to read this first chapter, see if you can find in the first chapter where that hope is, where the promise of for those who mourn for their sin, those who repent of their sin and turn away from it, where the promise of redemption is. So I'm not going to ask you to stand today because we're going to read, I'm going to read the whole chapter. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, come upon us today as we look into your word that we might see exactly what it is that you call us to do concerning our sin. How we might mourn for our sin. How we might confess it to you, repent of it, turning away, knowing that through the blood of Jesus Christ and through his resurrection power, we are forgiven and we are called to new life. Lord, speak to us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Lamentations. In fact, uh, in the Pew Bible, it says the Lamentations of Jeremiah. Chapter 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a forced laborer. She weeps bitterly in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. She has none to comfort her among all her lovers. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile under affliction and under harsh servitude. She dwells among the nations, but she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. The roads of Zion are in mourning, because no one comes to the appointed feasts. 
All her gates are desolate, her priests are groaning, her virgins are afflicted, and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters, her enemies prosper, for the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her little ones have gone away as captives before the adversary, and all her majesty has departed from the daughter of Zion. Her princes have become like bucks, they have found no pasture. They have fled without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from the days of old when her people fell into the hand of the adversary, and no one helped her. The adversaries saw her. They mocked at her ruin. Jerusalem sinned greatly. Therefore, she has become an unclean thing. All who honored her despised her because they have seen her nakedness. Even she herself groans and turns away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She did not consider her future. Therefore, she has fallen astonishingly. She has no comforter. See, O Lord, my affliction, for the enemy has magnified himself. The adversary has stretched out his hand over all her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary. The ones whom thou didst command that they should not enter into thy congregation. All her people groan, seeking bread. They have given given their precious things for food to restore their lives themselves. See, O Lord, and look, for I am despised. Is it nothing to all you who pass this way? Look and see if there is any pain like my pain, which was severely dealt out to me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones, and it prevailed over them. He has spread a net for my feet. He has turned me back. He has made me desolate, faint all day long. The yoke of my transgressions is bound. By his hand they are knit together. They have come upon my neck. He has made my strength fail. The Lord has given me into, those, into the hands of those against whom I am not able to stand. The Lord has rejected all my strong men. In my midst, he has called an appointed time against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes run down with water because far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands. There is no one to comfort her. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that the ones round about him should be his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. Hear now, all peoples, and behold my pain. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I call to my lovers, but they deceive me. My priest and my elders perished in the city while they sought food to restore their strength themselves. See, O Lord, for I am distressed. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword slays, in the house it is like death. They have heard that I groan. There is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my calamity. They are glad that thou hast done it. Oh, that thou wouldst bring the day which thou hast proclaimed, that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before thee, and deal with them as thou hast dealt with me for all my transgressions. 
for my groans are many and my heart is faint. This is God's inspired word for us today. Many years ago, there was a painting. It was done in a, it was a public scene. And Christ was there in the center. And he wasn't on a cross, but his hands were tied uh, with a rope. And he was tied to an altar. And his head was bowed. And there's a crown of thorns on it. And he's bent over in suffering. And past him flow this crowd of people in the painting. People from every walk of life. There are rich people. There are poor people. There are clergymen that are they're shown kind of engaged in, in a theological debate. Men reading newspapers. There are mothers with their children. And they're all walking by Christ as he is tied and, and bent over and suffering. And the painting is entitled, To an Unknown God. An Unknown God. This is what much of society has become. It's not bad enough that people no longer believe. People no longer care. They no longer to care to engage the things of Christ. They are no longer willing to concern themselves with the fact of what God has done, the fact of the sacrifice of Christ. People are just, they're just too busy. They don't want to be concerned with it. They don't care. Postmodern life scarcely considers the claims of Christ, but that does not lessen the truth of those claims and the truth of Jesus Christ. Each of us is still faced with the question of who is Christ, what has he done for me, and now what will I do in response to that? Much like the people's view of Jerusalem here in this first chapter, a city that was once the greatest city on earth. It was God's glory. It was the security of his people. Now it is in ruins and the people are dispersed. Many of them have lost sight of what the Lord accomplished in their lives. Many of us have lost sight of what the Lord has accomplished in our lives. He has granted us salvation. He has given us power to do his works and power to serve in the capacity that he calls us. Much like the book of Lamentations here, Many people across the country, many people in churches, in the Bible Belt, they've forgotten what the Lord has done. We cry to the Lord because the circumstances in our lives are so desperate. Lord, how could you do this? How could you bring this into my life? Don't you know how terrible my suffering is? Don't you understand, Lord? We all want to know how this happened. How our marriages ended up this way? How did... I become such a bad parent, or maybe it's my bad kids. How did I end up in this job that I hate? Why am I here? Why did life not measure up to my expectations? We cry out to the Lord, all these things. But yet we walk past Christ because we don't care. We're no longer moved by his suffering. We no longer care what he calls us to do in this life. We'd rather listen to the earthly wisdom that says, you know what, if you're unhappy, you should go someplace else. You should get out of that. You should go and find happiness because you're supposed to be happy. Okay. We'd rather listen to the worldly wisdom that our friends give us. Everybody does it. Nobody will find out. You go right ahead and do that. If you just worked harder, you could have that second house. Oh, don't worry if your kids see you or not, but you just work harder. Okay. Those are the voices of the world. The wisdom It makes me want to be the center of the world. It sounds good for a time. It looks good for a time. The rewards are good. But in the midst of that, we regularly walk past Christ. 
To an unknown God, we just don't want to look. Now, don't doubt that I like success. I like success very much in the rewards of this world, but we have to understand they're temporary. They're temporary. We first and foremost must ask ourselves, what will Christ have us do? The people in Jerusalem here in Lamentations have forgotten what God commanded them to do, and that was to be faithful to him. They had become so consumed by the things of the world, so consumed by their own desires. You know, everybody else is worshiping those idols. There must be something to it. So let's not go to the temple today. Let's go over and worship the idols. I mean, they're over there sacrificing meat. It's a free meal. Come on, let's go. And they put aside the things of God for the things that God said don't go and do. They walked past him. Belief in God It's no longer the fashionable thing. It's no longer the fashionable thing. I had a bad week. Sorry if I'm ranting a little bit. (laughs) But you see, I see good people who are throwing their lives away with two hands. The Lord has blessed them with so much, but yet they go like this. I throw it away into things, and they pursue things that will not bring them happiness. Or on one side of their mouth, they proclaim the things of Christ, and on the other side, they just go and do what it is that they want to do. We say we hate gossip, but we go and we gossip, right? We say we hate to lie, but yet we we lie, we lie. We say we don't want to hurt people, but yet we go and we hurt people. It makes me crazy when this happens. It makes me crazy when I do it, okay? I'm sure it made Paul crazy when he did it. He said, I don't do the things I know I'm supposed to do, and I do the things I know I'm not supposed to do. I guess this is the struggle of the Christian life, isn't it? How do we conform to the things of Christ? When part of us says, this is what God calls us to do. It is great. It is glorious. It is wonderful. It is where we will find blessing. And over here, we've got enough sin in our lives that it still calls us to come and participate where we're not completely sold out to the things of Christ. There's still enough draw in our lives to the things of sin. See, the problem in Jerusalem here, not just that they sinned, but they didn't mourn their sin. Okay? They didn't mourn. They weren't sorry for their sin. It's like the teenager or the politician who gets caught doing something wrong and says, I'm sorry if my words offended you. Okay, was that an apology? No, they weren't sorry for what they said. They weren't sorry for what they did. They're only sorry if their words or actions offended you. Okay, now I don't. I didn't watch the Tiger Woods, whatever it was. I, I don't care. I don't have any contact with him. I don't care. So I don't know if he actually apologized for actions or just apologized if you were hurt or offended by the actions. I don't know. But I've seen plenty of people apologize if you were hurt not apologize for what I did. See, there's a difference. If I come and run over your foot with my car, I should say, I'm, I'm sorry I was such a stupid driver. Okay, I'm sorry I ran over your foot. It should not be, I'm sorry that you had to go to the hospital. I'm sorry that you had to wear that cast. I'm sorry for all those things. I was wrong. I mourned my sin. I am sorry. That's what the Lord calls us to do. That is part of lamentations. Understanding our sin and mourning it. Being sorry for it. Understanding that God calls us to something else. Declaring what we did was wrong. Jeremiah cries out from his heart. He says, I know what's been lost. I am so 
broken by what has been lost. Jerusalem was the pinnacle of society. It was the place where God dwelt, and you all threw it away. And Jeremiah cries. Now, the people who have gone into slavery are crying too. But they're crying because they're off into slavery. They're not crying because they sinned and realize it. They're saying, Lord, how could you send us into slavery? Do we really deserve this? We're your covenant people. Jeremiah is crying because of sin. People are crying because they're going to slavery. They're like the people in the painting. They don't want to realize what God has done and what he has called them to do. You know, I always think of what it was like when I was in second or third grade. And the teacher would stand up and ask a question. And I'd close my eyes. Because I was sure if I closed my eyes, the teacher couldn't see me. And then she wouldn't call on me to answer the question. So I'd sit there with my eyes closed. And one day, Mrs. Leonard, bless her heart, I'd still remember her. She said, Randy, I can see you. She knew what was going on. I, I wondered how she could do that. I was, how could that happen? How could you see me? You know, that's what the people of Jerusalem did. The Lord doesn't see us. Yeah, he sees everything that we do. And Jeremiah is just crying, crying away. He's crying away for these people and their sin and the fact that they just are not mourning it. He is mourning their sin. The people are not mourning. A little bit of background of where we are. Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 586. Very good. See, if you come to the Belady's Bible study, you've got to know those things, okay? Well, I'll tell you every week, but 586, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. It was a long siege. The end, the citizens who survived the siege were taken off in this, they called diaspora. They were taken off into slavery. We see it in the first verse, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. She has become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a, become a forced laborer. They've removed the people and take them in, taken them into slavery. They've made them widows. They made, um, made them slaves, and there are no children being born. Okay? Those are the three big problems. The worst things that could come upon their lives. We'll look more at that in just a moment. Lamentations is really a continuation of the book of Jeremiah. Now, it's not a, uh, it, it's not a perfect flow. Jeremiah is the history of the fall of Jerusalem. The history of the sinfulness of the people. Lamentations is just that. It's five poems that belong in a funeral and they are acrostic you can't see it because it's it's not written in hebrew but they start with a and move right through the alphabet okay each chapter is like that each chapter begins with the letter a in hebrew aleph and moves right on through it attempts to explain to the human mind and the human heart the results of sin and how it is we should mourn. Now, Jeremiah is talking to a nation here. He is talking to a nation. Job is dealing with individual sin, and how it is that God deals with me as an individual. Jeremiah is talking about the sin of an entire nation, an entire people who had it all, and they pitched it away as fast as they could. The Jews turned to lamentations when Jerusalem fell in AD 70. The Romans came in, 
destroyed the temple, they read the book of Lamentations. Leonard Bernstein went to the um, text of Lamentations for his symphony, Jeremiah, that was written during the 1940s in the Holocaust. This is where they go to mourn, okay? Mourning for our sin. Mourning for our sin. Jeremiah is lamenting. He is crying out on behalf of those who loved the world more than they loved the covenant that the Lord had made with them. He has seen this people the Lord has given to him to care for. He has seen them abandon all that the Lord has done for them to the gods of this world. And he's crying out. In the 6th century B.C., when this was written, the three worst things that could happen, as I mentioned before, the people could become childless, they'd be widows, and there would be slavery. If you're childless, that means there's no heirs, no one to call, carry on your name. If you're a widow in the Old Testament or even in New Testament times, very often your only alternative for a source of income would be prostitution. And if you're taken off into slavery, you're taken off into a foreign land, you are being removed from the land that the Lord gave you specifically. Remember, in the Jewish mind, if things got bad, you'd first give away your coat, secondly, you'd give away your children, and the very last thing you would give away would be your land. Because the land came from God, and that was part of the covenant. And when they were taken off into slavery because they did not mourn their sin, they did not repent before the Lord, they were removed from this land that the Lord had given them. Pick the worst three things that could happen in your life. I won't even go there because I don't want to be involved in those three bad things. Okay, I don't want to forget who the Lord is. I don't want to walk past Christ and his suffering. I want to realize that. I want to realize what he has done for us and how he calls us to live because of it. I want to be cognizant of my sin. I want to mourn that sin. I just don't want to say, I'm sorry if I offended you. I want to say, I'm sorry because I was wrong. Lord, I am sorry because I pursued the things that were, were wrong. I'm not sorry that I got caught pursuing it. I'm sorry I pursued it. And I know that it's an affront to you. This is what Jeremiah is calling us to do in the first chapter of Lamentations. He is reminding us what has been lost. And what has been lost is a real understanding that when we sin, we sin against a holy God. A holy God for us today in the church who has extended himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He has given us salvation. His son, who sat at his right hand, came unto earth and took on the form of a man and gave his life for us. And for us to go, gee, I'm not even paying attention to that. That is terrible. We must realize what Christ has done and what that means in our hearts. How he calls us to live differently. How he calls us to mourn. For our sin. Not just to confess our sin, which is very important, but to mourn it because it is offensive to our Heavenly Father. The things that came upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem that would be destruction, death, famine, slavery, all of those things that come that when the Babylonians came and invaded them, that was because, not just because they fell into sin. But they failed to realize how they should respond to that sin. They refused to repent, refused to feel sorrow, refused to admit that they were wrong. Jeremiah, <laughs> you go back and read Jeremiah, 
all 50-some chapters, he was telling them again and again and again. It's one thing you can be sure of in the major and minor prophets. They tell the people again and again and again, if you don't turn, this is what's going to happen. And what did they do? They just walked by. They didn't want to know. Don't tell me about my sin. Don't tell me I'm, I've got to repent. I'd rather just live like I am. And the, see, I think most of us today understand our sin. Most of us today in the church, we know when we're doing wrong. The question is, how much do I hate wrong? How much do I love what is right? See, that's what the Lord calls us to do. Our consciences are attuned enough to what is right and what is wrong. Believers have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to remind us of these things. But it's easy to divert our eyes away because so much of society participates in that. Because that gives me a a joy that is temporary, but it's a joy because it's become a good friend of mine. So I continue to participate in it. And then when we get caught in sin, what do we typically do? What do you mean? I didn't do that. Automatic denial. No. What should the believer do? When we know that we're involved in sin, we should run to Christ. We should throw everything aside and get to the throne of grace just as fast as we can. Don't deny it. Don't say, well, don't try to minimize it. Throw yourself before the Lord. Because that's where we can find grace. What's he say? Those who confess their sin, he is faithful to forgive. Look at verse 12, chapter 1. Jeremiah is lamenting. He is sad. He's crying out. We we don't even understand this in our society. We talked about ashes and sackcloth and how people would, would put on burlap and just throw ashes on their head as demonstrations of their sorrow. Well, Jeremiah's crying. He is just crying out. I've got no comfort. I mean, I know, Lord, you have done this because these people have turned away. He says, ah. There's no comfort here. Until you get to verse 12. Is it nothing to all you who pass this way? Look and see... If there is any pain like my pain, which was severely dealt out to me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. Who's that refer to? Who does that point to? It's pointing to Jesus Christ. Remember Isaiah? The Lord saw fit to do this to his suffering servant. It was the Lord's will to crush him. Jeremiah is pointing to Christ here. He says, is there any pain like my pain? Is there any pain like the Son of God who was on the cross, who all the sin of the world was placed upon his shoulders? Is there any pain like that? No, there's no pain like that. It was severely dealt out. The Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. The wrath of God for sin was placed upon Christ. Christ has paid that price. Why would we try to avoid it? Why would we avert our eyes from our only means of salvation? There is Christ. There is the suffering servant. There is the one who has given his life for us. He has atoned for our sin. Why would we turn away and pursue those things which he hates? Why would we turn away and not think that we could find forgiveness there? He says, come to me, all you are heavy laden. Come to me and you will find rest. Come to me and you can find forgiveness. 
Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that they don't understand sin, that they're not mourning sin, that these people would really rather suffer than turn away from their sin. And he says, here is the answer to it. Our Heavenly Father provides his grace. Friends, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're involved in things. We all have sin in our life. Okay? We all do. Are we sorry for it? Do we actually mourn it? In this season of Lent, we are called to experience that and to mourn our sin, to demonstrate to the Lord, Lord, I have some grasp of how much you hate sin. And I want to place myself before you and demonstrate that I am sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for the sin that has touched my body. I'm sorry for those times that I have fallen short. Lord, I confess these things to you. I want to repent. I want to turn away from them. I want to experience your forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the time to do it. We're about to come to the table. It's here at the table that we find this forgiveness, this grace. It is in the death of Christ, the shedding of his blood. Are we sorry for our sin or are we just sorry we get caught in our sin? We need to mourn the fact that God has called us to something so great, a blessing that is so real, but yet so often we pursue other things. Will you pray with me? Lord, you bless this people, this covenant people in the Old Testament. But so often they went and pursued other things, sin, things that the world said were important, idols made of stone, made of wood. They pursued those inanimate objects rather than the living and holy God. You told them the judgment would come. You brought prophets and prophets and prophets. Some people remained faithful, Lord, but so many simply pursued their own desires. And then when they were caught, they cried out to you because they got caught. Lord, understanding our sin is far more than simply being sorry that we got caught. Sorry we might have hurt someone else's feelings. It's realizing we did wrong. It might be simple things in our lives, Lord. It might be something as simple as, as harboring a a bad attitude, harboring anger for something. It might be as simple as saying something that wasn't appropriate. Or it might be something more. Lord, will you come upon us today? Come upon us with your Holy Spirit that our eyes might be open to where we have fallen short and the fact that you hate sin. And we need to mourn the fact that we have been disobedient. But we are ever mindful of the fact that when we confess our sin, when we repent of it, you are faithful to forgive. For your grace is sufficient no matter what we have been through. Your grace is sufficient to cover that sin. The work of Christ did it all. And we can rest in that knowledge that you call us by name. You say, Randy, come to the foot of the cross. 
Come and confess your sin. Mourn for your sin. And experience the grace and redemption and restoration that you can find only in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. In preparation for communion, let's sing the first two verses of two.